This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. Welcome to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin. I am Dean Holland, and how are you this morning, Charlie? I'm great. It's a gorgeous day at my house. Mm-hmm. Not How's well, a few little puffy clouds, but blue sky, mild, quite mild. It's uh, just hovering around zero. The birds are flocking. The squirrels are racing around, grabbing seed. And yeah, spring feels like spring is in the air. Yeah, it, we are. It does indeed. We're sitting at about <laughs> minus five here in in Collingwood today. But it absolutely has been doing that dance between uh, I, on either side of zero this winter. It's just yeah. I've become used to it. It's either a few degrees above or a few degrees below. Other than that really cold snap. When yes, it, yeah, it, which was crazy. And people are still yeah. talking about that. How <laughs> it just dove down to minus 21, 24. And then here we are, minus 5. And uh, yeah. the, the forecast is saying that we're going to be a few degrees above zero again for the next week. Right. So my little bit of white stuff is probably going to disappear. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give the numbers out, but I have a question about that. Okay. Um, uh, number in Toronto, and we'd love for you to call with any gardening questions, indoor questions or outdoor questions, 416-360-0740 or anywhere outside Toronto within the province of Ontario. It is a toll-free call, one 740 Four seven forty. We'd like you to let Carlos know uh, if you are a first-time caller, because then he will let us know, and I will give you your garden wings. I love to do that. Uh, <laughs> the mantra of the show has been here for many, many years. Call often, call early, and one question per call, please. So my question, Charlie, before we go to break, we have to do that momentarily, is how much havoc do you figure that all of this bouncing above and below the zero mark is going to cause uh, for the flora and the fauna? You know, I... Th- I find that most flora handles it. That's, I think, one of the reasons, too, there's been such an emphasis on growing native species in our gardens, whether it's trees or shrubs or or perennials or any of it, just because the native plants are better able to withstand some of the wacky weather we have. I worry a bit about some of the fauna, though. I think it's very confusing. You know, I, I told you earlier, a friend of mine, she has a stream on her property here in the county and she was just like sort of, you know, it's it's thawed, it's running, the water's moving. And she saw a frog um, swimming around in the liquid stream and it was like, it's only February. So that seemed a bit odd. So I don't know what will happen. Maybe somebody out there knows, (laughs) can tell us what will happen with some of the amphibians when they wake up a bit early. But I think in most cases, the plant's a little bit of frost damage, maybe, if your bulbs come up early, but otherwise, everything will be fine. Cool. Okay. Again, if you have a question about anything in your garden, uh, just give us a call. But right now, we have to go to our, have to have our first pause. Uh, but we will be right back with much more here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show. And those numbers, once again, if you are in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in the province of Ontario, it won't cost you anything. It's a toll-free number, one 866 740 Four seven forty. Uh, Charlie, you mentioned you said something before the break that caught my ear. You mentioned the birds all jumping around <laughs> in your yard, and I think they must be very excited because, of course, that big bird count is coming up next weekend. Next weekend, that's on your calendar. Yeah, isn't it the seventeenth? It begins, I believe. Yeah. yeah, it's four days. So I think it's whatever that is, seventeenth to twentieth. Yeah. And um, oh, good question. Now. And it's and it's a great it's a great thing because anybody can take play take part in it. What I think is really great about it is mm-hmm. that people all over the globe take part in it at the same during the same time frame. That's right. And if you look at last year's numbers, a snapshot of the great backyard bird count because this has been going on for a long, long time. Seven over seven thousand species of birds were identified. Um, there were 192 participating countries. Uh, 360,000 checklists came in via eBird, which is a digital format. Um, there's also uh, 300 and oh, over 385,000 estimated global participants. So, um, yeah, super, super fun. Be part of the gang and count birds next weekend. Gotcha. And you don't and you don't have to commit. It's not like you have to watch for four days. Uh, they no. want what is it? Ten or fifteen minute increments? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Fifteen minute increments. You can do that ten times a day, or once a day, or even once in four days. But in just days. do what you can to participate. It's it's pretty fun. Sweet. Okay, I'm in. Okay, let's go to our uh, first caller. We have uh, Rita calling from uh, Richmond Hill. Uh, welcome to the Garden morning, Show, Rita. Charlie. Good morning, guys. Anyway, quick question. Is it too early to dig up any of my tulips or daffodils? They're about two and a half inches. They're around the house. I move in at the end of April, and I'd just like to know if I could dig up any peonies, anything between now and April before I leave, before the house is gone. Hmm, that's a tricky one. Um, yes, but I wouldn't. I don't think you'd be able to dig much now. Uh, your ground, maybe right at your foundation, it would be thawed enough. But generally, I think the garden plants are still pretty frozen. So I would wait as long as you can. the The trick is, if you start digging up bulbs like spring bulbs now, you're likely going to kill them because they they're ready to flower. And if you start digging them up. <clears throat> You'd have to be ready with pots and potting soil, pot them all up and give them like leave them outside in their pots with the intention that they'll go with you when you move. Peonies, early spring blooming, uh, always difficult to dig in the spring because, again, they, they're set in their blooms. Best time to move and do anything with peonies is in the fall. But you know what? I I really I'm using the word yanked because I literally yanked a couple of peonies out of my Richmond Hill garden on a hot, hot day in July, Mm -hmm. a few years ago, getting as big a root ball as I could jammed them into pots and they've done fine. They survived the the very bad um, process I put them through. So, you know, I think the main thing is you can dig just about anything as long as you've got big enough pots and you can pick up big enough root balls but do try and, yeah, I know, if it gets really wet and soggy, it's hard to get out and dig anything. But, uh, you know, I try. a day like this is perfect. It's just you need to wait another month or so. Sorry, Charlie, I, I switched my phone because I could hardly hear you. Um, oh. What did you say about the daffodils and the cro- any of that type of stuff? 
Did you say I can put them in pots and put them in my porch? What did you you say? If you're going to dig anything, put it in pots. Yes. Yeah, that's your your best chance of survival. Okay, then. Thank you so much. And you can always listen back to the podcast. Uh, Rita remembers, just go to AM740, podcasts, The Garden Show. You can always re-listen to the show if you have missed anything by, like you said, changing phones. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Thank you. There you go. Thanks. Thanks, Rita. Um, you know, Rita brings up a good uh, a dilemma uh, of sorts, because, mm-hmm. yes, if you are lucky enough to be if you've sold your house of how X many years and you're you're leaving during the non snow seasons, it's much, much easier. But if you happen to sell during the winter, I know that we and others, I'm sure yourself, you can get really, really attached to some favorite perennials that mm-hmm. you might want to take with you to another location. So you beg the new owner or the new tenant or whatever the case may be or the landlord that you could come back in whatever time frame makes sense and dig stuff. Um, Or you frantically, I know it's really, it is hard. And bigger stuff is always hard to move. And like I said, when I was moving, I thought, oh, you know, I was so busy in the spring and then summer came and it was so hot. It's never good to dig things when it's really, really hot, but I had to do what I had to do. And I had pretty good success. Not everything made it. My, none of my roses made it, but um, generally, yeah, shrubs made it. Like I said, peonies made it. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, we would have a heck of a problem because of course my favorite is the big flowering crab outside. So <laughs> that tree, that tree is much too large to dig with us. <laughs> no, you have to. Buy another one for your new location. <laughs> I'm sure we would. Okay, uh, lines are open. We have lots of room on the lines. And remember that mantra. Call early, okay? Because let's, let's not leave it all till the end of the show, which sometimes happens. We have to take a break, but we'll be right back with much more here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show. And uh, Charlie, I was wondering, we were talking about peonies. I love peonies. But I was told years ago that they can take a few years to reestablish. Mm, that's probably true. It's just hard to say for sure. I mean, for sure some plants do. I, I, like I said, I had great success with the couple that I brought here. They bloomed right away. But most plants, yeah, they take it, – it's all about the root ball. Bring the biggest root balls you can and obviously plant into great soil. Don't just be happy with the, the clay or the sand that's naturally in your new, your new home or your new garden. Bring in some good quality compost, triple mix – you know, whatever you can get your hands on, but make sure it's organic, high organic matter, well-drained and, uh, and preferably, you know, loamy in texture. Okay. Uh, we are going to a town that sits, uh, north of Aurelia, south of Gravenhurst. It looks like, uh, Washago. We've got, uh, Mary on the line. Welcome to the garden show, Mary. Hi, it's Mary Lou. Thank you very much. Mary Lou. Hey, hello, Mary Lou. I love this. Great song. (laughs) Sorry. I said that great song, Hello, Mary Lou. <laughs> yes, I get that a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I moved up to uh, Washago three years ago, and I planted clematis. It's a west, north, 
west um, sun uh, facing. And I'm having problems with it uh, blooming. And mm. I was wondering if it takes, um, if, if it ta- needs a lot more sun. Uh, okay, great question. Uh, there's a good example of a plant that takes a while to get established, which is what Dean was just saying about peonies. Never get frustrated with clematis or clematis. Give it at least three years before you think it might not work out in that location. The trick with um, clematis is you plant it. We always say that it wants its feet in the shade and its head in the sun. So what that means right. is that you I want the roots to be shaded, cool, again, you know, good loamy soil, but you want the plant to be able to grow up as a vine into sunshine. So in Northwest, you should be, you, sh- you should be getting a fair amount of sun there. Yeah, I, I do have, I believe it's called wintergreen around the, the bottom okay. to cover the roots. That's good. Yep, yep. I've often planted a, sh- a small shrub or a short perennial in front of clematis just to do that, to shade the roots. Right. And I, yeah. excuse me, I replenish the soil every year and uh, mix it in. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a lot of granite rock here. We're um, at the top of Lake Kuchiching and mm-hmm. uh, we're nearly in the, the shield. So, um, excuse me, but I, I and I fertilize with um, a liquid fertilizer. Okay, in the and spring? I, I might fertilize uh, twice in the spring every couple of weeks. Uh, okay, and uh, do you know what kind of clematis it is? Is it a Jack Manny? Um, no, it, I, no, I don't think so. Uh, it's a white with uh, a pink uh, edging. Mm-hmm. And it's a flat flower, not a bell. Yes, it's a flat with a, a large petal. Okay, so you know what? What you're doing is fine. The fertilizing in the spring is fine. Do, pruning is important. So what you want to do in the spring as the plant is starting to wake up and you get the new little buds on the, the old vines, and the buds are little gray fuzzy things, uh, right, right when you're seeing those little buds, cut the whole plant down to eight inches tall, Everything above eight inches goes in the composter and everything below eight inches is allowed to grow. And I think if you do that one pruning, uh, usually it's April, kind of depends on the weather, and uh, and then let it grow. Uh, it's just be patient. I think you'll find the plant will do fine. Okay. Well, I'll try. There was a clematis there when I came and uh, it wasn't doing well. It was um, quite a different one. It had a little... Um, orange uh, blossoms, but they were very tiny. They were almost uh, like bulb shape and with leaves around um, that area. And But it didn't do well. So I took that out and I planted this new one. And yeah. uh, hopefully it'll do better this year and I'll do what you recommend, Charlie. Yeah. And thank uh, you very yeah, much. Good luck so with that. Really... Sorry? Good luck with that. It should be fine. Be patient. Don't move it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Mary Lou. I'm in the same boat as Mary Lou. I have a clematis that I'm having to be patient with as well. I moved it, I guess, last year, mm-hmm. and I'm just having to just be patient and just see if I've moved it to the right spot. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people who give a plant a clematis 
two years and they yep. go, it's not flowering. And then they move it. And then two more years, it's not flowering. And they move it. It's like, leave it alone. Yep. Just, you know, pick a, pick a good spot. Be patient. Don't move it. No, I am going to heed your advice. Indeed. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like when this happens. This is always fun for me. We're going from Washago to Wasaga. We're going to Wasaga Beach. We have uh, Cheryl on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Cheryl. Thank you. Um, I, I actually was listening on a show earlier. And, Charlie, you said, cut your mandevilla back in February. Mm-hmm. Well, it's February. So how far do I cut it back? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it depends how big the plant is, uh, like how many years you've had it. For most of us, a, a hard pruning at this time of year is a good thing because it will encourage lots more growth. And that lots more growth will be nice and bushy and fresh ready to go outside in May or whenever it is you can get the plant outside when we're frost free. So it's I generally would do a pretty hard pruning at this time of year. But if it's the plant is just sitting there, it's not doing very much, you can wait a few more weeks. Well, it, it, it wants to do an awful lot of all these long gangly things. But I'm just wondering, do I have to leave leaves on it when I cut it back? Yes, you have to make sure you've got some leaves, otherwise you'll kill the plant. So uh, if all your leaves are out on the tips and there's no leaves back on the main plant, then cut back half of the plant hard. Where you've cut back, new growth will start, little green buds will start to grow. And as they show up, then cut back the other half of the plant hard. Okay, gotcha. Okay. I'm going to do it today. Good. Okay. Yeah, they can be my, my, my window. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Thanks very for much. Calling. Okay. No. Yeah. Um. Why is it, Why is February the time to do all that hard? Is it just because it's just spring is around the corner? Yeah, the plants are responding to the longer days, just like we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> and the birds and the squirrels. Everybody's responding to longer days. And even inside your house, the plants know spring is coming. Yeah. yeah, I have to say spring is my favorite time of the year for a long, long time now. There's a different smell in the air. We've had a couple of days that have had that, that just that different scent for me. And I just love what I call the great, you know, the, the great melt, you know, where everything starts <laughs> to, to, you know, recede away and you start to see everything pop up. I love that time of year. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, big time. Um, listen, I want to do a quick announcement. You, uh, we have the, um, uh, it is, uh, we have a couple of garden meetings coming up. We have the Agent Court Garden Club Zoom meeting, and that is happening. Uh, it's happening on the fourteenth, or sorry, the thirteenth on Monday, the thirteenth. And uh, you can be a novice, average, expert gardener. All welcome to the club. Uh, non-members are also welcome to the Zoom meetings. Uh, they say here, the more the merrier. Um, and apparently, what they'll do is they'll they will give you a Zoom code on their Facebook page or if you get their newsletter. So, again, if you don't have the newsletter, just find the Agent Court Garden Club on Facebook. Uh, it is a 7 p.m. sign-in, um, and uh, apparently their headliner is a woman by the name of Tina Van Andel, who is uh, going to teach about African violets, who uh, she refers to as the unsung heroes of the plant world and they will have questions following her uh, her little chit chat as well so right. that sounds sounds good 
It does. And if you know what, if you say, well, I'm not interested in African violets, then that same evening, <laughs> even though Tina is great, I'd highly recommend yeah. checking her out. But that same evening, Monday, the 13th, I'll be Zooming with the Oakville Horticultural Society at 730. Uh, and my topic is gardening in a changing climate. So uh, if you'd like to participate, I have the Zoom code. Just send me a quick email at c. Dobbin at mzmedia.com and I can forward the Zoom code to you to uh, participate with the, with me and the Oakville Horticultural Society, 7.30, Monday, February 13th. Okay, great uh, little uh, pre-op to, uh, to Valentine's Day, of course. Yeah. Coming up. Big, uh, and, big day for flowers. And stuff going on on Valentine's Day as well. The Hort Societies are, are happening. They are, yeah. Well, and this is the time of year, right? Typically, uh, even before Zoom meetings, this would be the time of year when they would really, really start to ramp back up again. Yes. Well, yeah, because Christmas is always kind of a party before Christmas, and then uh, I've certainly been contacted by a number of the societies to see if I'm available. Monthly meetings, usually with a speaker, uh, right through the spring and the fall. Many of the Hort societies uh, go dormant for the summer, I think, because there's just been a tradition of holidays and cottages and, and not a lot of attendance at, at meetings. But uh, certainly February the 14th, uh, I think I mentioned last week, I will be at the Grafton uh, Hort Society live at the St. Andrews United Church on Old Danforth Road in Grafton, speaking on designing for shade. And also February the 14th, if you're not having a nice uh, Valentine's dinner with your sweetheart, then you could also consider Zooming with the Pickering Garden and Hort Society. Uh, they've got Kevin Cavanaugh speaking. Again, he's doing a climate change, pushing the zones um, speaking engagement. And that's for more information, info at pickeringgardenclub.com. Excellent. Sounds to me uh, from our conversations earlier that you could do an entire hour speaking about clematis. <laughs> that, and amaryllis would be another and one. And amaryllis in there as well, indeed. <laughs> okay, let's go to our next caller. We have Maureen on the line who is calling from North York. Welcome to the Garden Show, Maureen. Oh, good morning. Good morning, Dean. Good, good morning, Charlie. I love spring, too. During these <laughs> last days, I feel myself coming back to life just like the mm -hmm. Here, here. Waking up like the frogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <No>, poor frog. <laughs> Listen, okay, I have, I got a track, once again, I was in the grocery store and I got attracted to one of these seasonal things. I bought an Erica heather plant. It's so pretty right now, full of tiny pink flowers. Um, can that go in the garden in the spring? Uh, it can. Will it survive? Maybe. <laughs> you know why? Eric is very specific on its requirements. It's a beautiful plant, early spring, as you've noticed, blooming, just covered in pink blooms. Um, naturally, I mean, Erica, we think of Heath, which is another name for Erica. We think of Scotland and the, you know, up in the highlands. Our gardens in Ontario are tend to the soil tends to be a bit too alkali for heath or erica to survive if you've got a spot in your garden that's protected from the northwest wind so you don't want a windy spot you do want sun though so preferably southeast facing or south facing um and uh, amend the soil with peat moss or core c-o-i-r core cocoa um, um fibers 
uh, yeah, just get that pH lowered down a bit. Uh, you, it may survive, but it's borderline in terms of its hardiness. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. But and you know what? I'll try it. In the meantime, I will yeah. enjoy it because I'm half Irish and half Scottish, so the heather <laughs> appeals to my Scottish blood. <laughs> yeah, per- yeah, perfect. Keep it alive indoors. Obviously, it doesn't go out until we're frost free, so it will have finished flowering by then. You'll want to trim it. Uh, to keep it nice and compact for next year, a little just a shearing of the plant, you know, water as necessary, sunny window in the house. Once it goes out, see if you can find that optimal location. And uh, and then next fall, I put leaves around it just to try and help it through the winter. Okay, thanks very much. Have a good You're okay. Um, yeah. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Thanks, Maureen. Uh, before, we have one time to... Put in our one more caller before our next pause, but I'm going to give out those numbers again. Uh, Toronto number is 416-360-0740 or the toll-free number for anywhere outside Toronto within the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to Hazel, who is calling from Mississauga. Welcome to the Garden Show, Hazel. Thank you. Good morning to you both. Uh, my question, Charlie, is I have a cherry tree uh, last year I had a pretty good crop from it, but uh, there were a lot of worms in the cherries. And I'm wondering, is there something I can do to maybe prevent that this year? Well, this is the, the reality uh, and responsibility of edible, particularly trees and shrubs. So be- think of how sweet the whole plant is when it's making such sweet fruit. And of course, every insect for miles around wants to move into an apple or a peach or a cherry tree because of the sweetness. Your job and everybody out there who's got any of the fruit trees or berry bushes is to make sure you have purchased something called dormant spray. Uh, It comes in a kit. There's two bottles. One is lime sulfur, liquid lime sulfur. The other is oil, horticultural oil. Follow the instructions, mixing the oil and the lime sulfur and some water. Spray your cherry tree while it's dormant. Temperatures above zero, no wind, no rain in the forecast. So you're not doing it today, but you will want to watch the weather and spray fruit trees. Usually it's uh, sometime in March. But above zero, no wind, no rain in the forecast. Thorough spraying, that will protect your plants from the infestation of insects. Great. I will try that. Thank you very much. Spray. We're going to, you're welcome. We're going to be talking about dormant spray a few times, I think, on the show because it's just so important. Completely organic, uh, very effective. If you're only going to spray once a year in your entire garden, spray dormant spray while the plants are dormant. Okay, and does that prevent those uh, those worms from moving in in the spring? Is that how that works? Yeah, so what happens is, is there's a number of insects. Like we talked about the frogs sleeping the winter away, uh, hibernating. Many insects do the same thing. They they survive the winter in the form of eggs or, or something that is often tucked into the bark on trees. As soon as the weather gets nice, they wake up. They start crawling around and infesting our trees and our shrubs and chewing things. So the spray, uh, because it's oil-based and lime sulfur-based, it controls insects and diseases that have overwintered on our woody plants. Okay, okay, okay. So that's good. I, I, I didn't. I haven't heard of that before. But it. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Sounds it sounds immensely important from what uh, from the, the tone in your voice. <laughs> it is. It is. And we always put it off. We're like, oh, it'll be fine. It looks fine now. But then it's not fine. <laughs> Come August. Yeah. Like, and then it's too late at that point. Right. Then yeah. it's too late. Yeah, they've already, exactly. they've already moved in. Well, it's like so much of our of good garden techniques is being preventative rather than reacting to a problem. Prevent the problem. Okie dokie. Um, we are going to pause now. We have to hear some important and appreciated messages, and we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we're back with The Garden Show, and we have uh, loaded up the phone lines, so we're going to go right to it. Uh, calling from Trenton, we have Daphne on the line. Uh, welcome to The Garden Show, Daphne. I am really happy to be able to get in and speak to Charlie and yourself. Yeah, well, we're, we're delighted you got through as well. What do you got for Charlie? I have an amaryllis that I've never to regrow. It's in about a 12-inch pot. Um, I put it away for about a couple of months, brought it out about three weeks ago. It started to grow little green things coming out the top, and now those little green things are turning yellow. Oh, okay. Those little green things, I assume, are leaves. Yeah. Okay. And have you got them in the sun now, and you're watering when necessary? I do have them in the sun. Uh, now, watering, I'm watering when the uh, when it's dry. So, yeah. So, oh, I'm, okay. I don't know why they're turning yellow. Um, whether I'm over-watering. Maybe. Uh, yeah, exactly. A little hard to say for sure over the radio. But if you think, I mean, a 12-inch pot is a big pot. That's a lot. That's a very big pot. Unless you've got about five or six bulbs in there, that's a lot of soil with one bulb. Um, <clears throat> I would be inclined to put it in a smaller pot because they do like to be really tight in the pot. And you're if you have that much soil, it is possible that you're overwatering just because the soil holds the moisture for so long. A moisture meter from your local, uh, you know, home hardware is a handy item in a big pot like that. Do not water if there's any moisture showing up on the moisture meter. A little probe, stick it in the soil down, you know, six, eight inches. It'll tell you what you can't see at the surface. Might feel dry, but it might be quite moist below. So, yeah, I'd be, I'd suspect too much water. Perfect. Okay, I'll transplant. Now, when I transplant, okay, perfect. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Thank you. You too. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Daphne. <clears throat> Okay, let's go right to uh, let's go right to Mount Hope. We have uh, Allison on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Allison. Hi there, it's Alice, and Alice, I'm the okay. Amaryllis Amaryllis Queen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> Anyways, my question is about clematis. Um, we have one in the garden, and we've had it there for about I'd say twenty years, and it start. Do they kind of die out at uh, after a certain length of time? If you trim them, prune them properly at the right time of year, they should not. They should maintain their vigor. Okay, because she didn't have that as many flowers this year as last year, and I wondered maybe it was at its end of its life. And so we kind of were, we covered it and babied it like my husband does with all the plants. 
this year again we've covered it just thinking maybe that might help it get through the winter so okay well we'll have yeah. <clears throat> it's possible it's a when you say covered i assume he's covering with leaves or soil in the winter in the fall yes yeah yeah it's fine um and again depending on the see the trick with clematis is there's different ones bloom at different times there are some that bloom in the spring some that bloom in the summer and some that bloom in the fall so depending on the bloom time that uh, dictates when we prune oh okay Okay, uh, so that the main thing, if you've had it a very long time, just think, you know, what when it blooms. Also, the shape of the flower gives things away a bit as well. But bottom line is, you will maintain vigor in your clematis if or any of your clematis if you can prune at the right time. And as you point out, top dress with some good organic compost uh, in the growing. You know, when things start to wake up in the spring, very good idea. Yeah. If you want to fertilize, okay. do so, but of course, only fertilize through the spring and early summer and no fertilizer in the fall at all. Great. Okay. Thanks, Ed. Okay. Thanks okay. for calling. Yeah, th thanks, Alice. Um, a quick question about uh, clematis or clematis, tomato, tomato. Yes. Um, is there a best side of the house to have them as far as light? Well, as I said to the <clears throat> our earlier caller, um, when Mary uh, Lou called in, yes. you want your clematis, the heads in the sun, the feet in the shade. So you have to look at your specific situation. You want the vine to be able to grow up into the sun. So whether that's a west, you know, a hot afternoon is a west, a cooler but still sunny uh, morning is the east, and of course the south is the brightest by far. Generally speaking, I would never put clematis on a north wall. On a north wall. Okay, fair enough. Okay, um, you know what? We're going to take our last break, and we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, welcome back to the Garden Show. And uh, Charlie and I were just chatting um, uh, during the break. And my question, again, because we've been talking a lot about clematis today, is um, uh, when I know that you hard cut it back, and you said about four inches. And when should I do that to mine? Well, you got to watch because where you are, you're going to be a little behind me probably. Yep. Uh, so it's when the new growth starts, and it's not obvious. The new growth on a clematis is not bright green the way it is on some plants. It's more of a gray-green, little fuzzy buds. They travel in pairs of, on the stems. So just keep an eye, you know, visit, your, get out, study your garden as it's waking up. As soon as you see those little fuzzy buds, it's time to go in there. And in the case, because you transplanted, so your plant isn't very large. So I, I would go down as much as 10 centimeters or four inches above ground level and cut everything off. Sometimes what happens is as the years go by, you'll end up being maybe five, six, seven inches above ground level as it gets bigger. But to start with, I'd go down that low. Okie dokie. Okay, let's go to uh, Newmarket. We have Jean on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jean. Good morning. Oh, Jean. The two of you are a great pair. <laughs> you are a delight. I've got to be the most novice listener you have. I was not interested in plants until three years ago, and COVID brought us together. <laughs> exactly. Nice. I have an amaryllis question. The husband got it a year ago for Christmas. It did beautifully the first year. I wanted to throw it out, and of course, no, he kept it. Well, 
it is doing extremely well, and I don't know what to do with it further. It now <laughs> has two foot leaves. There's four leaves on the plant. We have it in a southern window with shears in front, and um, we put it in tropical soil. So what do I do with it, please? Oh, okay, so you um, just don't want to be clear. You had flowers this past Christmas or the no, Christmas before? the Christmas before. Okay, and has it flowered this year at all? No, but we also haven't fertilized it at all. Right. Um, and also, did you put it away, force it to go dormant at all? <laughs> yes. If forgetting it is going dormant, yes. It was down in the basement forgotten. And again, I wanted to throw it out, but we didn't. Uh, okay. You know what? It's funny. Yeah. So it's green right now. Enjoy it as a houseplant. Do fertilize it once a month from now right through until, you know, maybe June with just a, a, either an all-purpose or a flowering plant fertilizer. Be careful with your watering. Um, don't overwater, but get it outside if you can into a shady spot in the garden. Leave it in the pot once we're frost-free. Uh, and again, enjoy it as a, as a green plant outside all summer and then back into the basement in August or September. No water, dark, force it to be dormant. And hopefully next Christmas, 2023, you will have a, a flower buds again. But for now, you've got to let it grow as a green plant. And those green leaves will fatten up the bulb. So hopefully you'll have even bigger and better flowers next year. Oh, I was okay, thinking okay. the leaves we're going to take away the nutrition in the in the bulb. Now, I'm concerned about putting it outside. I hear a lot on your show about bringing little pests back into the house, besides the husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what, do I, what do I do um, when I bring it back in in the fall, please? Okay, so you're right. You don't need to put it out if you are concerned. Keep it in the house. Keep it safe that way. Um, I usually just do a soap and water wash on the plant and even we'll water the plant with a soap and water solution and then get out the hose, rinse everything off before I bring it in. So uh, soap and water will make a huge difference in terms of not bringing in little critters. But uh, your comment about the green leaves taking away from the bulb, it's the exact opposite. The green leaves add to the bulb because they are absorbing the sun, converting sun's energy into carbohydrates, which is fattening up the bulb, not taking away, but building. Okay, dokie. Thanks for the call there. Uh, Jane, we just, yeah, I got a couple other callers on the line I got to run to, but uh, we're going now to Mary Ann, who is in Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show. Mary Ann. Morning. Morning there, Mary Ann. About five feet tall at the tallest, and it's taken a beating this winter. And I'd like to give it some shape. There are some branches that are maybe three feet tall, four feet tall, and there's no, they're sort of like a crazy pyramid. How do I trim it to make it look like a bush? So, Marianne, I missed at the beginning what kind of plant are we talking about? Juniper. Oh, juniper, okay. I had a feeling it was either juniper or cedar. Right. No, so there's little blueberries on it, and it smells yeah. so nice in the spring. Right. So uh, the wet snow, of which we've had several dumps at my house of wet snow this this winter, has been a bit hard on the evergreens in the sense that it's opened up and peeled back 
their their limbs, their branches, so yep. that suddenly they're not looking quite as tidy as they did. They're right. looking kind of floppy and and messy. What I'm going to do and what I recommend you do is you, number one, make sure you've got a set of shears for trimming. So these are like the Edward Scissorhands, um, loppers, but with long blades, not little short blades, but, you know, long, foot long blades, nice and sharp. And when we get a nice, warm, dry, beautiful day to be outside, it could be in April, it could be in May, it could be in June, right around there though, when things are waking up and really starting to grow, you get out there with those shears and you're going to prune that plant back and you're going to prune it, honestly, as you'd be surprised how tight you can do it, taking off all that outer messiness and new growth is going to grow and fill in any any sort of holes that you've created, and it will look great. And then before next winter, you'll consider maybe tying string around it before the winter. Uh, do you cut the uh, the overgrown tall ones first? In the case of a juniper, yes, you can. You can take off the ter- what we call the terminal or the top uh, yeah. branches uh, because it will just keep growing. And so, but you will have to be very, you know, stand back and prune, stand back, prune, and and make it look nice and balanced. Uh, generally, most times we don't take the tops off of trees, but you can with junipers and you can with cedars. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. Okay, let's jump to our last caller on the line. Let's see if maybe it's a quick, quick question. It's Marianne from, oh, or maybe we, yeah, and maybe we've lost that last caller. Hi. I'm not sure. We, hello? Are you there? Hello? Somebody's there. Hello? Hello? Do you hear me? Hey. Yeah, is it Mary? Yes, it is. Uh, it's very quick. Last year I tried buying, uh, and I'll spell it, Viticelli, V-I-T-I-C-E-L-L-A, Blue Angel Clematis. At uh, a garden center, long story short, the girl beside me had it in bloom, pointed to pot, said that was it. It wasn't. The flower is white with blue all over, very big, very fluffy. And the man there said he gets them from a wholesale grower, and he was going to tell me, I know people change the tabs. Would I be able to go to a clematis grower and buy this? I've never, ever seen it before. Um, so wait, so the, you you want to buy the one that your tag says it is? Yes, and it wasn't at all. But the girl <laughs> said she had one in bloom and said, well, that's where I got it beside that pot. So the and okay, so so like a blue, a so-called blue angel. Um, okay, you know what? We're going to run out of racetrack here, Mary. So uh, I'm going to. We'll address this next week when we start the show. Okay. Uh, unless you want to send me a quick email, and I will address you specifically by email. I don't have email. a computer so on hand, but the first word dot, is with a small V-I-T-I-C-E-L-L-A, blue angel clematis. I know, I know, I know how to spell it. Thanks very much. Uh, uh, send me an email. I can respond to you specifically or listen up next week. C.Dobbin at mzmedia.com. And uh, Dean, the Orchid Show is on today. So it is, yeah. Yeah, anybody who's got a moment to go to the Toronto Botanical Gardens today, tomorrow, orchids to die for. Thanks, Carlos. Thank you, Dean. Thanks to all the great callers. See you again. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.